Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to Popcorn Podcast with Leanne Tim, where we review Nobody Plus, all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we just love talking about movies. And in this week's episode, we cannot wait to discuss Nobody. Yeah, Nobody follows Hutch Mansell, who appears to be a mild-mannered family man trudging through the monotony of life. One night, two thieves break into his home and he declines to defend himself or his family, hoping to avoid serious complications. With his wife and son and everyone around him obviously disappointed in him, Hutch's resentment at being an unsubstantial father and husband awakens suppressed skills and dark secrets. It certainly awakens something, doesn't Mm. it? Very dark, sinister and (laughs) interesting. Mm. Uh, Nobody is directed by Ilya Naishula with a screenplay by Derek Colstead and it stars Bob Odenkirk. Alexei Serebryakov, Riza, Connie Nilsson, and the wonderful Christopher Lloyd. Now, this is the most enthusiastic screening that we've been in for a long time, isn't it, Tim? People were cheering and reacting and laughing and having just a great time in this movie. The best time, and I think you and I were also having a really good time. I agree. It was probably the fullest cinema that we have been in in, you know, a good 12 months with everything Mm. going on. Movies are back, baby. Right to the nosebleeds. Now, Hutch Mansell is quite literally a nobody, isn't he? They really play on the mystery of who this guy is in a really tongue-in-cheek way that we don't want to give away, but it just keeps you guessing, doesn't it? It really does. Like, as an audience member, you are constantly asking yourself, who is is this guy and it's slowly drip fed to you but it's still shrouded in all this mystery which I absolutely loved about it. I think you got enough about him and who he was in his past 
and why he was behaving in a certain way. But I think there was that perfect balance, little sprinkle of mystery still in there as you left the cinema. And humour. It was like a running joke throughout the film that, you know, who is this guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love the reactions of people that he encountered along his journey, which only heightened his mysterious past. You know, those that recognised him, uh, certain trademarks on his body like a tattoo, mm. and then they would freak out. Literally, there's this great <laughs> moment where this guy just legs it and then shuts this door. And in this beautiful moment of comedic timing, it's like latch, 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 doorknob, latch, latch, latch. It's just like he's bracing for impact because he's Mm. like, no, this guy means business. And we're kind of still not knowing who this guy is, but like, oh, this guy, he's he's notorious in some way. I've got an interesting piece of trivia for you, Tim. So Mm -hmm. what's interesting about this film is Bob Odenkirk's home has been broken into twice in real life and both times while he and his family were home. And he's talked about – Yeah, so he's talked about wondering – if he should have done something himself. It must have been a traumatic experience. And this movie is a bit of wish fulfilment, isn't it, for protective fathers everywhere. What would you do in this situation? Identify something I'm most terrified of. It is home invasion. Mm. I just cannot comprehend someone invading your personal space and coming in with guns and whatever. I don't know what I would do. I would probably just do whatever they said, to be honest, and wet myself in the process. What about you? (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't say. But I think what makes these films so successful is when you can see yourself in the protagonist's shoes and then fantasise about what you would do in that situation. That's what, you know, is at the heart of this film. Yeah, definitely. It's almost a daydream on screen, isn't it? Uh, And if you, like, put yourself in that situation, it's a very good way of putting it, actually. And they've got this element of self-discovery, like undercurrent in the film, coming to terms with who you are and what society expects of people. There wasn't a lot of character development, though, beyond Hutch. Did you notice that? Yeah, but I think that was okay because Hutch was so Mm. mysterious and I think there was enough to pull focus for for the audience to want to just know more about him in particular. And there were a couple of bit players like his father and his mysterious brother um, that Mm. we kind of like uh, found out about through a picture early on in the piece. But yeah, I definitely think it was very much Hutch's character uh, and his film. I would have liked though to have learnt more about his wife I yes. think, w- yeah. was a key bit player that I thought we needed more from. Mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily needed. You get enough mm. from these characters to uh, situate them within his story. Yeah, yeah. And there are some wacky characters. The, the big crime lord, one of my yep. favourite scenes was his entrance into the club. Like he stops off outside his car. He just walks across the road blindly, not caring about traffic and they just have to stop. Mm. He slams through the door. He snorts some coke. He goes like (laughs) dancing. Everyone's like, here's a shot. He jumps up on stage and does some cringe karaoke and then goes to chat with some other crime lords and then, you know, drama and chaos ensues. I thought that was such an amazing way to introduce such a fucking insane character. I just loved every frame of it. (laughs) Insane is an understatement for sure. Yeah, he was wacky, man. How did you feel about the monologuing that started happening in Hutch's character? You know, we've got this like internal monologue or almost cheeky take on these kind of action films. Yeah, I loved it. It was playing homage to all sorts of things. And and you kind of pulled out a, a little like genre, Jerry action genre, yeah. which is like old, old timers, right? Like, yeah. you know, busting up, but kicking some ass. <laughs> Before we dig into that, I think I quite liked it as a story mechanism. 
paired with its really sharp editing and and pacing as well. Yeah. The quick edit montage at the beginning, like yep. showcasing his life, the monotony, repetitive, simple life and existence that he had. I loved it. And yep. I don't know about you, but it felt it felt one part Guy Ritchie uh, yep. One part Edgar Wright films in that approach yes. to that kind of editing and storytelling. That's exactly what I was going to say. Simon Pegg's Cornetto trilogy, like Shaun yes. of the Dead or something. It really drives home that monotony while keeping the energy up. Yeah, yeah. It was. It got your attention, mm. and it was. It was repetitive to a point that it kind of like held you. It. It told a lot of story. It told a lot yeah. about his environment and his character in such a short but effective way and I just loved it and that kind of carried through in other mm. other ways throughout the life of the film. Yeah, it just sets the introduction, doesn't it, for the character immediately mm. without the need for that lengthy exposition that can really bore people in films. Yeah, and I think it worked as a technique really well in this type of genre, the action, where you kind of have to set context really quickly so you can mm. get to the fun stuff and I think it was really, really effective. Let's talk more about the Jerry action genre. We'd never really heard <laughs> yes. this term before, but it's the vein of Liam Neeson's Taken movies, isn't it? That's yeah. that's like the epitome of those kind of films. Definitely. I mean, Liam Neeson's been doing these sorts of Jerry action genre films for the best part of a decade or more. Yep. Uh, they're kind of getting a bit tiresome, but you would think that you'd go into this movie feeling a little bit like fatigued by this mm. genre. But, man, it, it, you know, slaps on a fresh lick of paint, I reckon, yeah. on this whole thing. You know, you you could have fooled me uh, that these guys were geriatrics, though, because they went to town. The violence <laughs> and the action is unsurpassed. Like, Bob Odenkirk is, like, an absolute fucking unreal yeah. hands-on fighter. It was fantastic yeah. to watch. What's different about this film is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's almost poking yeah. fun at that genre in a lighthearted way while also doing a pretty good job of pulling it off, like yeah. balancing. Walking that line is really hard to walk. And to be honest, I was a little bit concerned going into this that Bob Odenkirk was going to be too comedic about it. Right. Yeah. That it wasn't going to walk that line because the style of comedy is dark, but it strikes a really good balance and it's, it's as good as any action everyman film that people can connect to. Yeah, definitely. And I think his approach, and you kind of mentioned it earlier about the monologue, it was kind of like little asides that he would say that would just for himself to kind of say, almost like, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to say this. And it was mm. almost like he was saying it to us as the audience to give us a little a little insight head start, like, yeah. you know, in what's about to happen. And I found that really, really fun. And you're right in that there there was risk in getting that balance wrong, the comedy and the action and and the pacing of the mm. story. But I think it was just this uh, perfect balance. Somehow they got it so right. And, uh, yeah, it was just a, a ride, a ride and a half. You talked about those epic action sequences. I was really mm. impressed with the fight choreography in this film yeah. and then how it comes to a screaming halt in some ridiculous moment. Bob Odenkirk's character, he, he had his, what signaled his awakening was mm. the bus scene, which was just, the, it just went on and on and on, this amazing choreographed, very incredibly violent, but also hilarious yep. fight where he said, I'm going to fuck you up. Like, you know, that was kind of like the fist bump moment yeah. that like set this movie into a whole other stratosphere from there on. It was brilliant. I like that it took him a minute to get going as well. It's not like he was just... Mm immediately this action hero, it wasn't quite smooth to begin with, was it? 
no, it wasn't smooth. How he perceived himself and how others around him were that he was, as we mentioned, nobody. Yeah. Like he, he did a monotonous job. Like we only ever see him at work punching like numbers into an Excel mm. spreadsheet. Like, whoa, really exciting stuff. They really set his whole position that he was just a normal guy. His son hated him. He didn't have a good relationship with his wife. But then there were all these little tastes of like, but who really is this guy? Yeah. And we kind of, yeah, follow that journey and it's very satisfying. Very satisfying. That's a great way to put it. It's like someone looked at like John Wick and went, okay, this is what people want. Let's go for it. Let's really pull this off. This is written by the same screenwriter as the John Wick series. Oh, there you go. That explains it. Yeah, there's there's great synergies in it, but it feels very much of the ilk of the John Wick sort of structure and you know the fight sequences and everything but it feels fresh and its own standalone sort of take on on the action genre as well but very much John Wick vibes for sure. I agree with you let's talk about the performances for a second love Mm. Connie Nielsen she was obviously queen of the Amazons in Wonder Woman I wish she had more to do as you said earlier but she did a Mm. lot with what she had. Yeah she did and I'm almost thinking that like is there going to be a sequel and we kind of like get to know her place in this world Mm. or maybe a prequel where we see their life before they kind of went to suburbia. But yeah, she offered a great deal. Um, And ultimately I quite liked watching their relationship as husband and wife develop and grow because it certainly felt incredibly stagnant and stale Mm. at the beginning. And yeah, she offered a great performance that kind of opened up new opportunities for them as a relationship. And then you get Christopher Lloyd just being Christopher Lloyd. I had a lot of fun in this Jerry action genre. Bit of trivia, he said to the director that he wanted to carry big shotguns. Like he didn't want any assistance. He wanted to be in and in the thick of it. And like you could tell how much fun that he had uh, in the final act of the movie. And it's a bit of a wolf in sheep's clothing with him, I think. And again, Mm. like we we're throwing the word satisfying around with this movie. It's very satisfying his character development and how he played a part in the story. We can't wrap this up without talking about the music because it Mm. was so random. And I loved the randomness of the choices. There was some out there choices like Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. And then there's really pumping action uh, soundtrack as well, but it really worked. It really, really worked, coupled with, you know, one of the best car chase sequences that I've ever seen, short, sharp, you know, with the music just... Yes, I loved that. Yeah, yeah. and I think it just, it worked so well. The soundtrack, I want to go out and buy or stream that soundtrack right now. It's going to take you back to those scenes. It's going to put you in this, like, trajectory of, oh, I'm going to smash out this weekend, like, listening to this soundtrack. Yes, very, very random choices here and there, but it kind of added to the comedy as much as it did the action, I think, mm. and it told a lot of the story through through its choices. I thought it was just perfection. I completely forgot about that car chase scene and I'm glad you brought it yeah. up because that was one of the coolest car chase scenes I've seen in a long time. It just Something about it was just so slick and edited together well and the choreography was fantastic and Bob Odenkirk was great. I mean, loved it. He was bad. Ass. Yeah, it was it was too short. Did that affect how much I enjoyed it? No, I just want. I was just so greedy when it ended. Mm. I just wanted more. And I think like the team that pulled that sequence together, they should be commended. Like it was just yeah, one of the best I've ever seen. I agree. Are you ready to wrap up a review of Nobody, Tim? So I find it best to categorize Nobody 
as the suburban John Wick film. It is violent, it is funny, it is outrageous, and it's the kind of over-the-top action film I've been waiting for. It never takes itself too seriously, as you mentioned earlier, Lee, but it manages to tell a really compelling, mysterious tale, all while having so much fun in telling it. I think it's safe to say this movie is simply cool if you were to just mm. encapsulate it with one word and it will resonate with audiences as the must-see action flick in cinemas right now, hands down. Yep. Uh, Christopher Lloyd's character put it best in the film where he said, just a bit excessive but glorious. So <laughs> I'm going to give nobody four popcorn kernels. I love that description. That's so perfect. I'm going to keep it short. I had a huge grin on my face throughout Nobody. It's a wild ride with laughs and full-on action. I mean, what more could you ask for to take you out of your life for a couple of hours? It is what it is, and it does a bloody good job of it. I'm going to give it four popcorn kernels too. Love it. Oh, I knew we both had a good time in there. Yep. And you could definitely tell the reaction of the cinema, that shared cinema experience that we always go on and on about. Yep. Yeah, it was palpable in that room. It was unreal. So definitely go out and see Nobody Guys. It's in Australian cinemas now. Okay, Tim, on to news. We've got some exciting news here. The Rock took over Times Square and lit up all the big screens with an even bigger announcement. His superhero film, Black Adam, is coming to cinemas in July 2022. We still haven't seen too much from this film. All we've seen is some teasers created by artist Boss Logic, who's Australian. Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, he's done a really good job at teasing and drip-feeding information and things like that about Black Adam. It's a big passion project of his but can we talk about the activation at Mm. Times Square like this is the sort of big film big budget marketing strategy that I just love I Mm. salivate at it the camera was panning around it was it was an absolute complete takeover his very deep resonating voice in bouncing off the off the buildings it's just fantastic way to like make some noise about a project I love it Yeah, we can't wait for this film to come out. We also got the first trailer for Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man this week. The movie stars Jason Statham as a security guard for a cash truck who surprises his co-workers with his deadly skills during a heist. There's a bit of that going around at the moment, isn't it? Sounds like nobody. Something in the water in Hollywood. I don't know how you felt, but watching this trailer, if I didn't know it was a Guy Ritchie movie, I wouldn't have picked that it was a Guy Ritchie movie. It felt a little bit different. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, I think it's a great thing. Uh, Maybe he's trying something a little bit different. I think he is his own genre in his own right, Guy Ritchie, and I think if he kept churning those films out in his style – uh, and and his dialogue and, and his scripts, I think, you know, we'll, we'll die happy people. But, yeah, no, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I'm, I'm curious to see how this one comes together. And Jason Statham, like, you know, he's action star royalty at this point, I think. So we got a trailer for Spiral from the Book of Saw, like in inverted commas mm. or whatever, in terms of positioning it into a franchise. So an esteemed police veteran played by Samuel L. Jackson, a brash detective, Ezekiel Zeke Banks, played by Chris Rock, weirdly, and his rookie partner, Max Minghella, take charge of a grisly investigation into murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unwittingly entrapped in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the centre of a familiar killer's morbid mm. game. 
This is kind of the first proper look at this film, isn't it? And that familiar killer is, of course, Jigsaw, isn't it? Mm. Like we've said as as we've covered the news of this spiral film that was announced quite a while ago, like do we need another entry into the Saw franchise? It kind of like fizzled out into nothing. They made Mm. like seven or eight of them originally, I think. Talking about these films reminds me of our guest spot on uh, Zero Dark Nerdy, which we've just done recently and will be coming out soon, where I was asked by Ryan, one of the co-hosts of the show, what's a movie that I hate that other people love? And I couldn't think of anything, but now that we're talking about the Saw Mm -hmm. franchise, that's those films. I could just never get into them and they were such a critical success. So not even the first one? Not really my cup of tea for some reason. I'm not sure why. Yeah, what do what do they call it? The genre is like gore porn, especially from mm. like number three onwards. It just gets like almost unwatchable. It's pretty fucking full on mm. in terms of the gruesome violence and ugh, oh my god, just the, having flashes. I've seen I haven't seen them all, but I've seen quite a few of them. But that's interesting that you you didn't never resonated with the series. I think the first two are probably the only two solid movies mm. in that franchise, and I am curious about where Chris Rock is taking this story, but I feel like not enough time has passed between it ending and then getting picked Mm. up again. So we'll just sit tight, guys. Speaking of spooky films, we've got a trailer for The Night House starring Rebecca Hall as a widow who begins to uncover her recently deceased husband's disturbing secrets. Now, this trailer is pretty freaky and it sucked me right in. There's two houses. It's like a Stranger Things upside down sort of situation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was having a stroke watching it because, like, it kind of just, yeah, two houses and things were flipping and I'm like, oh, my God, this movie is going to really test our cognitive abilities and <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really excited to watch it. And Rebecca mm. seems to have presented a really compelling performance. She'll yep. definitely be carrying this story and I think she's she's perfect for the role. It's very, very scary looking by the trailer for sure. Godzilla vs. Kong came out recently and you can check out our episode where we interview the cast and director of the big budget blockbuster. Loved the film, didn't we? We had a great time. Yeah, the action special effects were world class, absolutely. Well, the film debuted with a massive $70 million in China and a combined $121 million in ticket sales globally. Those figures mark the biggest opening weekend sales for a Hollywood movie at the international box office throughout the pandemic. That's exciting. I sense recovery to the cinema world. That's really, really exciting. $70 million in China is huge. Uh, That's really great to see. It's the biggest market in the world. It's bigger than North America. And it's opening up in America right now, this weekend. You're listening to it. It's come out for a couple of days already and also streaming simultaneously on HBO Max. So those numbers Mm. will only increase uh, hopefully substantially. And it's a great precursor to a recovering market for cinema. It's very exciting. We heard a little bit of a rumor this week, didn't we? We did. Something about Russell Crowe and Thor Love and Thunder. Take it away, (laughs) Lee. What's this? Very intrigued. It appears that he's going to be in an unspecified role in Thor Love and Thunder. The fourth Mm. Thor movie already has a long list of A-list cameos, including Matt Damon, Luke Hemsworth and Sam Neill, all reprising their appearances from Ragnarok as as Guardian actors playing versions of Loki, (laughs) Thor and Odin, which was hilarious, wasn't it? 
so funny. One of the best scenes in the movie. Hilarious. And in this one, they're actually joined by Melissa McCarthy shooting a scene as the villain Hella, which was played by Kate Blanchett in Ragnarok. That's an awesome piece of casting. How good. So the question is, is Russell Crowe going to slip into those theatre players or is he going to be in a completely different role? Look, I think at face value, it probably seems more viable that he'll fall into the theatre world, you know, playing a character. Mm. But I would love to see him play a recurring role in the MCU in some way, even if it's small, kind of like Sylvester Stallone in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He's just, he's only showed up once, but he's a big name actor. So that's what I'm hoping with, with old Russ yeah, it's pretty exciting. This movie's turning into a lot of fun, isn't it? I mean, we expected that already, but it's just like, oh, yeah. let's get my mates on board. Let's everyone just join in and have a good time in Thor, Love and Thunder. And Melissa McCarthy's actually here at the moment filming a project with her husband, I believe. Yeah, and previously to that, she was filming Nine Perfect Strangers yes. uh, with Nicole Kidman in Byron. So, yeah, she's been here for quite a while. It's just, yeah, who's left in Hollywood right now? They're all here. Lapping up the sun. It's a beautiful day today, actually. When she's done, she can just swim back to Hollywood, can't she, with her Ursula tentacles? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> She'll probably uh, make good time with all those tentacles. Now, this is huge news, Tim. Netflix has yeah. bought out the two Knives Out sequels for almost $600 million Australian. The price tag means the sequels could have a considerably higher budget, which means another star-studded cast, which is what we wanted, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's the expectation. It's an ensemble murder mystery. It's a whole new cast other than Daniel Craig's character returning as a detective. Mm. So, yeah, I hope this yeah makes them select and choose the Ocean's Eleven of murder mystery movies. I'm a little bit less excited that we're not going to get them on the big screen now, Mm, which is a shame. I don't know why, though, because streaming services are proving themselves to be major players in terms of film and, and producing quality content. So, I mean, it could be great. Yeah, it could be great. And the streaming platforms like Netflix do have a limited cinematic window release as well so there could be an opportunity Mm. to catch a catch a screening at a local cinema so yeah we'll watch this space it's a brave new world anything can happen sure is (laughs) before we wrap up tim i've got one more thing to throw in there a little surprise piece of information that even you don't know about oh all right it's just been announced my sources say that we're getting (laughs) the first space jam trailer on sunday now unfortunately our episode comes out on sunday and we're recording ahead of time obviously so we haven't seen it yet but we will definitely talk about it next week absolutely and watch out on our socials where we will be publishing the trailer for you to watch and leave your thoughts queries questions concerns on space jam a new legacy oh i'm a bit nervous about the trailer dropping i mean we've seen a lot of great images of the characters recently which is on our socials but yeah i'm nervous 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 i think the animation is going to be incredible i can't wait to see it all right guys not to well it's out now isn't it the trailer's out now as you're listening to this (laughs) it's here it's out in the world so we'd love to hear what you think and that's everything for this week guys thanks for joining us on another episode of popcorn podcast And as always, was a completely jam-packed episode where we reviewed Nobody, which is, you know, an action, geriaction genre (laughs) film that you absolutely have to go out and see. I'm going to use that term all the time now. I'm obsessed with it. It is in Australian cinemas right now. Do yourselves a favour, grab your mates and hit the cinema. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.